0: Yeah, good morning. Good to see you all. Soul Search is, um, is as Bill said, the beginning of this uh, September series, but it's actually a, a significant uh, amount more. It is um, the, the next step in a process that I've been uh, struggling with, actually, for several years in how we as a church can foster discipleship and, and challenge one another and hold one another accountable to grow and also uh, uh, challenge ourselves. And it involves uh, finding a way to to know where we are spiritually and to communicate to one another where we are spiritually so that we can encourage one another and that we can pray for one another. And... Um, Believe it or not, this is a difficult thing because it has to be something simple. It's got to be something memorable. It's got to be something that you can do really every day that we uh, internalize and make it part of our language and part of our community. And that's why the community groups are are launching this month and they're going to be using what I'm teaching this Sunday and the next uh, Sundays in September as the framework of um, this idea of knowing where your soul is and communicating it to one another. Um, and so it's, it's the beginning of something new that I really believe and, and hope and intend to make an integral part of what it means to be a member of New Day, so that as people are joined to this church, they quickly learn this idea of how do you know where your soul is, and how do you communicate that in a in a meaningful but brief way to one another, so that uh, they can pray for you or, or encourage you, uh, and um, and so it's it's something that's been kind of working in me for for years. I, I came across this idea, um, the general idea of it actually almost two and a half, almost three years ago, and I've been struggling. I came across a resource that was written actually back in the late 1700s, and it was used in the early 1800s significantly. But that, that was kind of outdated. <laughs> and so I've kind of really tried to, to update it. <clears throat> so soul search is about knowing, identifying where you are spiritually and, and communicating it and creating a, a metric and then also a language to do so. So we're going to explain a little bit about what that means, and 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 begin kick it off this Sunday. Um, one of the well, the very first story in the Bible is the story of creation. We all should be familiar with it, where God created the heavens and the earth by the power of His word, and created all of the animals and the plants, and and then the crowning of creation was the creation of a man and and Adam and Eve, and um, and then we have the end of chapter two of Genesis, where you have Adam and Eve together in the garden. And, you know, we don't know the time gap between the end of chapter two and the beginning of chapter three. And, you know, listen, you need to understand that in Scripture, between one verse and the next verse could be hundreds or thousands or even tens of thousands of years in that case. But certainly throughout all of Scripture, there's often vast gaps of time, even in the New Testament, in the book of Acts. The book of Acts actually spans a period of about 50 years. But when you read it, you think it all happens in in six months or a year. (laughs) But it actually spans years, because they don't don't put in there the dates. Um, It wasn't important in literature in the day it was written. And so here we have, right after the creation, right after Adam and Eve are established in paradise, and then the next story, of course, we know is the story of the fall. And Why is it next? Because it's the, it's the next most important thing that we need to know. Understand that Scripture was written not to answer all of our questions. Have you, have you learned that? It, it doesn't ask, answer most of your questions. Scripture was written for one purpose, and that is to lead us to the place where we can make a commitment to our Lord Jesus Christ, to restore relationship with God, our Father. And so it gives us enough information to know where we're coming from and how we got to where we are, but it also points to where we need to go, and that is in a, in a, in a committed relationship with Jesus Christ so that we can be with Him forever. It's, it's to produce faith. So it's really important to know that we're, we, we were created by God, that God is the Creator but then what happens is uh, Eve is deceived and eats of the fruit and, and Adam sins by willfully taking it and eating of the fruit. The one commandment that God said, do not do this. Don't, don't go by it. Don't, don't touch. The, the, don't take the fruit of the tree, the knowledge of good, good and evil. If you do in the day you do, you shall die. Of course, they both do, both do it. They realize they're naked and they go hide. <clears throat> they hide from God. Uh, which, by the way, is, is not a good idea, because you can't hide from God. <laughs> and God shows up in the garden, which was, uh, which was what he was accustomed to do, according to Scripture. And he asks a question. He says, where are you? Adam, where are you? And the big point here is that God knew the answer. The question was uh, asked to cause Adam to self-assess to realize that he had moved away from God. God didn't didn't need to know the answer. Adam needed to know the answer to that question. Where are you, Adam? And God asked us the same question. In fact, this is the first question that God asks in scripture. And throughout scripture, especially Jesus, he asks a lot of questions. But this is the very first question that God asks of mankind, where are you? And God is asking each one of us, and I believe uh, that he is asking us this every day. Where are you? Where are you? Now, God is omnipresent, and so we can never hide or escape from him, but we can become distanced from him relationally and spiritually. When he says, "Where are you?" He wasn't talking about, you know, you know, where in the garden are, are you, or over there by the apple trees, or by the peach trees. That that wasn't the point. It's where are you in relationship to Him? Where are you in relationship to God? And how do you how do you measure that? Uh, Jesus Christ, His mission is is um, summed up in Paul's writing to the church in Colossae. Coloss- uh, uh, in Colossians 1, 19 through 20, uh, Paul writes that, For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Him. So lots of big ideas. <clears throat> By the way, this, this, this sermon and this series is not about deep truths. <laughs> what I've struggled for all these years is to figure out something really simple and basic. Because we need to be able to remember it and implement it on a daily basis. So it's not something really complex. We, we, we being Mark and I and the mentors, we were like looking for um, um, spiritual analysis tools. How, how we can, you know, there's tons of stuff available online. And, and they, all of them were like pages and pages of, of questions. I'm like, this is useless. You know, maybe you'll take that test once and then forget about it. We want to develop something that you can quickly think through um, and, and understand how to apply it. So it's not major uh, theological things I'm introducing to you. It's, it's more of a comprehensive but kind of compressed uh, methodology. So <clears throat> first question that God asked was, where are you to Adam after the sin? And then we find in Colossians that Jesus' uh, purpose Uh, was that it was the Father's good pleasure that the fullness, and what is meant there is that the fullness of the Godhead, all of divinity, dwelt in Jesus Christ bodily, okay? (laughs) And through him, to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of the cross, through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. So this idea of reconciliation, what does that mean? It means bringing things together that have been separated. This was Jesus's purpose, the reason that God put himself into human form that uh, Jesus came as God the Son was for one purpose, was to bring reconciliation, bring us back together. And so the big idea of scripture is that sin cause us to be separated from God, and Christ came so that we could be reconnected to God. Reconciliation was the reason, and Jesus's sacrifice on the cross, his shed blood, was the price for this reconciliation. What we celebrated in the act of communion today was a remembrance and a declaration of what Jesus accomplished when he died. The bread uh, uh, displays Jesus' broken body so that our brokenness could be made whole. And and the juice displays Jesus' blood that was shed for the forgiveness of sin. And when we take that in faith that we are joined to Jesus' body in his death on the cross and buried with him in baptism. And that means if we're joined in his death and joined in his uh, burial, we're also joined in his resurrection. And so that we now live in newness of life, reconciled, brought back together with uh, in relationship with our our, our Heavenly Father. Whatever separates us, whatever uh, uh, issue in our life, whatever circumstance in our life uh, that separates us or causes division or distancing from God can be reconciled through the blood of Jesus Christ. Do you realize that there's nothing else? All right, the big message of Christianity is you can't add something to the cross. It's never Jesus died on the cross and to get to heaven or to get reconciled with God. It's whatever issue that you're dealing with, whether it be a sin or a a guilt or shame or a bad habit or broken relationship, anything and everything gets reconciled through Christ's death on the cross. And it's the process of applying that into your life that you become closer to God. And in James 4, 8, a great passage says, Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Wow, what a promise that if we make an effort to draw close to God, God instantly responds by him coming to us. And draw means to, to move, it means to come close, to approach. Right? So this means spiritually and relationally, because there's no place you can go to draw near to God. All right? I often go to the Far East, and they have temples everywhere. Like, everywhere. In Japan, and in Thailand, and in most Asian countries. And because they actually believe that in those temples is where you have to go to interact with God. And in the Old Covenant... Uh, for uh, many, many reasons, and it's a whole other theological lessons. There was a temple, and all the Israelites were called to uh, go three times a year and, and spend actually uh, up to two weeks celebrating in the presence of God to teach us that, that God wants us to come to a place. But in the New Testament, that place is different. That place is a spiritual realization where we, where we draw near to God spiritually or relationally. And and attending church together is part of that. But we know that we can turn to God at any moment uh, when we we draw near to him in prayer. And so this idea of approaching or drawing near to God is key to this uh, uh, methodology that we're introducing today. And it's a simple metric, a simple way to measure where we are spiritually. This is a real basic diagram um, and this is what we mean by soul search. And, uh, the verse in Philippians, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So this was, this was Paul's personal mission statement, that he was always pressing toward the goal of the prize of the upward call. Now, the idea here is that there's never an end to that upward call. You never reach a plateau where you've attained. Maturity is actually the skill and the ability to continue to climb in that upward call, all right? And then the metric that we're using is really simple. We're either moving toward God, getting closer to him in some way, or we're moving away from God. Maybe that means avoiding him or you know, getting pulled into sin or uh, unhealthy relationships or you're just stuck. And a lot of people get stuck. Sometimes you're stuck for decades. And God doesn't want us to be stuck. But it's important to understand where we're where we're at in this metric in different aspects of our lives because identifying where we are then enables us to know how we can move toward God. How we can continue that upward call of God. And um a lot of this is to help us get past describing our our spiritual state in words other than I feel really dry. How many have ever heard someone share that? As a pastor, you hear it so often you just don't want to hear it anymore. All right? And so, because it's like, well, what do you do? I'm like, jump in a pool, you know? <laughs> But this is, this is a, we're hoping that this is easy enough to remember, saying, well I'm moving toward God in this way, or I'm moving away from God, or you know, I just feel like I'm stuck. Uh, and so knowing where we are, then it gives you uh, a way to, to, to measure and communicate, and also <clears throat> uh, enables you to uh, develop a response to where you are so that you can to begin to move forward. And this applies to everyone, regardless of their state of maturity. Because, you know, it'll take an, an eternity to get to know an infinite God. We can always continue to get to know him more. And so like Adam, uh, I'm introducing this so that we begin to ask ourselves, and I challenge you to ask yourself every day, where are you? And begin to ask one another, where are you? Or, or, or how is your soul? Or where's your soul? And again, this helps us know where we are, and how to respond to it. And we're going to talk more about how to respond to it. And there's four basic areas that we're going to apply this metric to as we develop this, both in the community groups and then just part of our discipleship uh, at New Day Community Church. And the first one is Scripture, our relationship with God's Word. And I hope you realize that um, you cannot grow spiritually without growing in your understanding and application of God's Word. It's, it's, it's uh, uh, just extremely essential. We're going to actually spend the rest of today's message talking about that, so I'll run through the other ones. Um, next week we'll be talking about others, our relationships with others. And so all of what that means, relational um, uh, healthiness and, and how re- our relationships with others affects our soul. We're going to uh, delve into that. And then upward, our relationship with God uh, through prayer, through worship, through the pathways. And if you've been around here for a while, you'll, we regularly teach through the seven pathways, uh, ways different people uh, connect with God. And then finally, life, which is just everything else in life, the general day-to-day stuff, stuff at your job, your physical, you know, sometimes, uh, uh, you know, physical issues, stuff that deals just with your body affects our soul. Uh, the challenges you're having at work affects your soul. And this also includes like emotional uh, um, healthiness and behaviors and habits. Uh, sin, issues in your life that you may be struggling with, all of that would fall into uh, the life category. But today, (coughs) uh, we're going to delve into the Scripture. The idea is, daily ask yourself and one another where your soul is in each one of these areas, and are you moving toward God, away from God, or are you stuck in those areas? And if we get good at this, we'll get good at developing a community of discipleship. And that's what church is supposed to be. It's not a place where everyone goes to interact with God personally. It's a place where we go to, to encourage one another and be encouraged by one another. Um, one more thing about this general idea is that it's important <clears throat> that when we ask this question, how's your soul or where your soul is, especially when you ask it to someone else, it's not meant to be a counseling session all right or a deep probe into someone's life, it's just a simple, easy way to evaluate ourselves and to communicate with others, so we can pray and encourage. So if I come up to you and say, "How's your soul?" I don't want you to you, you don't don't feel obligated to talk for ten or fifteen minutes. You go well, actually I, I, I had a great week in scripture, man. I I, I found this verse that just blew me away. Great, awesome. How's your soul? Oh, and I'm I'm really struggling with relationship well, pray for me. All right, I'll pray for you. Period. Full stop. Now, what relationship? What are the details? What's the story? You know, that's not sustainable. You know, to get deeper than you make another appointment or like, hey, do you want to have coffee and talk about that? Yeah. You want to have coffee and talk about it? No, not not No, not this week. Okay. I'll be praying. And as we learn how to do that with one another, we'll develop a deeper intimacy. All right, let's dive into the area of Scripture. Uh, Just a few uh, Scriptures that talk about the importance of Scripture. (laughs) Psalm 19.7, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. So God's Word has a direct impact on the state of our soul, our spiritual condition. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Uh-huh. And, uh, and we need to value the importance and the impact that God's word has on our spiritual state, and that we all need a growing relationship with God's Word. John 8:31, Jesus talking to his disciples, said that uh, to those Jews who were believing on Him. So this is Jesus' own words. He says, "If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed." And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Oh, such a powerful verse. Uh, so important. that the, the, To abide means to live. It means if you stay there. What does it mean you listen to something and think about it for a few minutes? It means you camp there. It, you make it your dwelling place. And Jesus actually said, if you're not doing that, if you're not living and abiding in His Word, you're not His disciple. If you're not a disciple, what, that, what 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 are you? And this challenges all of us to realize that Christianity is not simply agreeing to a, a some precept or idea. It's not simply coming to church or saying a, uh, answering an altar call and, and praying a prayer once. It's a daily practice of living in Jesus' words. That's what it means to be a disciple. And of course, that means we'll know the truth and it will set us free. Hebrews 4, 12, oh, very powerful verse, says the word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. Okay, and, and, and what's interesting here is that the words soul and spirit in uh, both the Old and the New Testament are used interchangeably, and it's very difficult to know where one ends and the other begins. Almost as different as between joint and marrow. That's the bone and the inside of the bone. <laughs> you know, it's almost like there isn't a strict line at some point, especially when they, they wrote this. Now we have great microscopes and we may be able to tell some. But, you know, it's, it, it's to the deepest parts of our bodies and our spiritual beings. And it says, it is a, a discerner in the thoughts of the intents of the heart. In other words, God's word digs deep to the deepest part of you and understand what's going on in your thought life and in your heart. Wow, that means it's really important. It's able to pierce to the deepest parts of us, and it has the power, it's alive and powerful and able to change us. How many want to be changed? Okay, How many want to be more like Jesus? How many want to have victory over the things that continually defeat you? Where do you find that victory? Listen, it's in God's Word. And we need that to be a daily thing. We need to live there. And I love this verse. as a summary over all of Scripture. It says, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. That means we, understanding what truth is and what's not true. The knowing what is uh, accurate. For reproof, that means uh, pointing out things that are wrong. For correction, that means uh, making right whatever is wrong, turning you in the right direction. And for instruction in righteousness, so that in every aspect of our lives, we can be living in right relationship with God, not violating his character, not violating ethics, not violating morality. How do we find this? We find it all in Scripture, that the man or woman of God may be complete, That means mature, brought to the full stature, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Where do you need to go to do whatever God's calling you to do? Right here. It's all here. Unfortunately, it just discourages me. It challenges me. That so few Christians, even Christians in our church... (laughs) Uh, that don't know how to dig into God's word or don't just don't, just don't do it. Uh, and know I, I, I'm not getting mad at you. I'm saying, hey, you need to learn how to do it and you need to discipline yourself to get in God's Word because everything you need to be, everything God's called you to be is right here. right? And so in our relationship with God's Word, how we apply that metric to this area of our life, are we moving toward God? Uh, are, are we moving away from God becoming more distant disconnected and apathetic all right and so maybe it's you' just you just you never have time to read God's word you know or you get up and you don't you just don't want to pull out the Bible or you, you, uh, you know and you just kind of give up on it some people give up on God's word or you know <laughs> the idea of reading through the whole Bible just seems insurmountable so you never do it or you, you read something and you just don't understand it and you think, well, this isn't for me. That's moving away from God. That's given, I mean, God worked really hard to get this to us. And the saints of old, You uh, did <laughs> the saints of old, the amount that's been invested uh, to bring this word into your hand or in your phone is just, you can't measure it. How many people have been martyred just to, preserve the word of God through the centuries. And we we treat it so lightly. Listen, we need to realize it's important. Sometimes we get stuck. And I'm just speaking as a Christian, I've been reading this, you know, I grew up in a Christian I went to a Christian school, so I was exposed to it kindergarten through eighth grade, but then I got saved when I was 19. Since then I've been reading it, you know, every day in some aspect. You know, I don't even know how many times I've read through the Bible. So reading through the Bible, to me, the challenge is reading it again. (laughs) You know, but always, yes, always something pops up and I'm like, gosh, I don't remember that being there before. But sometimes we can be stuck. Maybe we're reading, but we're not getting much out of it, or it just feels like a duty. You know what? Just acknowledging that is a good thing. Just going, you know what? I read the Bible, but I just don't get anything out of it. And if you ask someone, How are you, how's, your, how's your soul in, in regards to Scripture? Actually, I feel like I'm really stuck. Don't give them advice. Just go, wow, I'll be praying for you. Now, if they ask for advice, you can give them advice. All right? So it's really important there's some ground rules. We'll cover that more when we get into the community groups. Or are you moving toward God by understanding his word, understanding his nature through his word better? And there's a a few, uh, three ways that I want to emphasize before we close today's message uh, on how to grow in God's word. And the one is daily reading, getting in God's word in some way every day. Jeremiah, the Old Testament prophet says this, your words were found and I ate them And your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of your heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. Now, I don't think he actually ate the tablets that God's word was written on. I don't know. At his time, was it papyrus? I don't even remember (laughs) what they were written on. He didn't eat the paper. It wasn't paper. Scrolls, Scrolls, yeah. Probably parchment scrolls, animal skins, pressed thin. And so... um, You know, he didn't eat that, but he ate the word. He used the image. In another verse in Job, it says, I have not departed from the commandments of your lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. All all through scripture, the word of God is compared to food, uh, manna. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. There's so many different places where God's word is compared to food. Why? Because it's as important to our spiritual health as our food is to our physical health. And if we treasure God's word as much as we do natural food, then we should read and meditate on God's word as often as we eat. How often do you eat? Once a day? Every other day? Once a week? Huh? All day! All day. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's being honest. <laughs> you know, you have meals, and then you have in-between meals, snacks, and you get the slurpy you're sucking on all day, you know? <clears throat> it, it, some people chew gum because they think it feels like eating. <laughs> I don't know. So, same thing, get what God's word in. Have a meal, have a snack, chew on stuff. Get into God's word daily in some way. Absolutely have to do it. If you struggle doing it, talk to someone. Ask them how they do it. There's tons of methods, and I'm not gonna get into all the methods. Second thing is meditation. Psalm 1 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Meditates. Biblical, you know, Eastern meditation is emptying your mind of all thoughts and getting to the place of nothingness, which is like, that's what, you know, we don't want. (laughs) Biblical meditation is filling our minds with God's thought. so the word meditation and the Hebrew actually means to murmur. It's like repeating it over and over, you know, uh, or to ponder. You keep turning it over in your mind. You're thinking about a verse or a passage. Like, what did it mean? If if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. What do you really mean by that, Jesus? If you abide, what does it mean to abide in some in the in God's word? How can I do that? So you're thinking about it throughout the day. It's simply. It means, and so we need to read regularly, daily, and we need to be meditating, thinking about God's word, and learning how to meditate in God's scripture so that it goes deep. Sometimes I think about scriptures or theological ideas for decades before it kind of falls into place, and that's a good thing. And the last and third, uh, third and last way is study. Second Timothy in the King James says, "Study the show thyself." approved of God. This is Paul writing to Timothy. A workman that need not be ashamed at rightly dividing the word of truth. And so this idea of studying God's word so that you understand it rightly. And if it says rightly dividing the word of truth, that implies that you can wrongfully divide the word of truth. And by divide, it means you're putting it together in a wrong order. You, you can use the Bible to say just about anything but that doesn't mean that's what the Bible says. Am I making sense? And so you need to be diligent. The word study means to be diligent, to work hard at it, um, to understand God's Word. And that takes time to dig deeper into the meaning, into the context, into the background, into the theology of Scripture. Understand that most of the Bible is simply stories of people's encounter with God. And so you can't read it like a textbook. You have to to learn how to study Scripture. And there's tons of tools available in our day. Um, There's Bible software uh, tools, there's websites, uh, there are reliable commentaries, and then learning the basic rules of interpretation. And you need to know that. I actually believe that every Christian, everyone in here, should be able to know the historical context, the author, the overall setting and purpose, and the general idea of every book in the Bible. So if I'd come up here and say, gosh, what do you think of the book of Habakkuk? It's in the Old Testament. Testament, One of the minor prophets. You know, the major emphasis is justice. And, and it's a, and a strong warning against injustice and, and social settings. And the people of God have to treat uh, people uh, fairly. And so what's the, you know, any book of the Bible, fill There you go. That's a big one. <laughs> Actually, a really small book. You know, we need to know that. And where do you learn it? It just takes time. Actually, a good study Bible. That's, I love that we have Bibles in our phones now, but... Um, uh, one of the things that, that's really helpful for me, anyway, was actually getting a good study Bible because at the introduction of each book was all of this information. And for many years, I would go. I'm reading through a book. I'm like, wait a minute. Wh- when did this happen? I'll just read the introduction of the. Oh, okay. This is who wrote it. This is when it was written. This is who it was written to. And that helped me understand the details of it. All right. Every Christian should be able to find an overall understanding of any topic in Scripture not just a particular verse that you happen to like, but what are, what's the general theme of Scripture on any particular topic. So how much, you t- how much time you spend in, in, these, in, in study really depends on your pathway. If you're academically inclined, you're going to spend a lot of time studying. You, you, if you're not, If your pathway is more relational, you may spend a lot less time studying. But we all need to know how to understand God's Word in its context. All right. Next week, we'll continue to explore this method of measuring and communicating spiritually, this whole soul search idea, and asking ourselves, where are you? Uh Like God asked Adam, or where is your soul? And this idea of uh, measuring it, moving toward God, stuck or away from God, in our life with Scripture, in our life with others, in our life with God, the upward call, and then just in our general life. And so uh, I just challenge you to... Ask yourself and begin practicing this this week uh, so that uh, we can ex- uh, grow in this as a church and become better Christ followers. Bill, could you come up and close the service?